Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Scotty Hines, a pastor here at Generations Church, and alongside me is my good friend, Pastor Jeff Ludington, also at Generations Church. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I am well. We're here at home. What is it? Week four of staying at home? I don't know what it is. It's been a while, yeah. man, but uh, I'm week, good. I'm good. Week four of adjusting, and it's we're finally like adjusting to some uh, big adjustments, right? <laughs> you were yeah, sharing with me earlier sure. about uh, your plans and Jesus' plans. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, it's been great looking back at Easter. So impactful. Always grateful for what uh, looking back on what God has done for us. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, here we are. Uh, we're in episode 29, and so if you are joining us today and you've never heard this before, we are in episode 29 of the Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude podcast, which we are studying the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a 450-year-old way of learning that the church has used for those last, you know, almost five centuries, right? Uh, and, and, and a catechism is simply a way of learning by asking questions and memorizing answers. I often use the example of the way I learned my times table. So the way I learned how to multiply was memorizing what is three times three, what is three times four, what is three times five? I just memorized the answer, right? And that's what a catechism is. It is memorizing the biblical answer to a particular question. And today, Pastor Scott and I, we are in uh, the second of three questions and answers about communion. And so right. you're talking about the Lord's Supper. We're talking about the Eucharist or communion, whatever term you're familiar with hearing. We term we use the term communion. And uh, we did last week, we talked about the spiritual implications of communion. Yeah. And so what really happens when we take communion? Is it just something like a ritual that we go through or does it have real spiritual implications? And we said it is a means of grace. It has spirit, spiritual implications. Grace is applied to us through Christ in that moment. So today we're asking a different question in episode 29. We're talking about the physical pieces of communion, the bread and the cup or the bread and the wine, or in most modern day cases, the bread and the juice. And so I'm going to ask the questions uh, like a pastor to a disciple or like a father to a son. Uh, and Pastor Scott's going to read the answers like the one being discipled. And then we're going to talk about this. So we've got two questions and answers today. Ready? I'm ready, ready? brother. <clears throat> you I look am ready, ready, man. Ready. You are prepared. <laughs> All right. I'm... Here we go. Question and answer 78 and 79. So here we go. 78. Do the bread and wine become the real body and blood of Christ? No. Just as the water of baptism is not changed into Christ's blood and does not itself wash away sins, but is simply a divine sign and assurance of these things. So too, the holy bread of the Lord's Supper does not become the actual body of Christ, even though it is called the body of Christ, in keeping with the nature and language of sacraments. So that's really important. And I'm gonna, we're going to do the second question right here, but uh, I love that part of the answer. Uh, beyond the no it says the Lord's Supper does not become the actual body of Christ, even though it is called the body of Christ. So we'll dig into that a little bit later. All right. Yeah. Second okay. question, number 79. Why then does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood or the new covenant in his blood? And Paul used the words, a sharing in Christ's body and blood. Christ has good reasons for these words. He wants to teach us that just as bread and wine nourish the temporal life, 
so too his crucified body and poured out blood are the true food and drink of our souls for eternal life. But more important, he wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge that we, through the Holy Spirit's work, share in the true body and blood as surely as our mouths receive these holy signs in his remembrance. And that all of his suffering and obedience are as definitely ours as if we personally had suffered and made satisfaction for our sins. That's a mouthful, but that is a powerful, that is a mouthful, powerful response. It, yeah, it is. And I think it, it takes someone like yourself to maybe clarify that up for simplistic people like me. <laughs> hey, man, well, I, I, I hope to do my, my level best. Uh, you do your so level best, brother. I will. <laughs> I'm not even sure what level best. I mean, I know how to use it in a sentence, but I'm not even sure where that level best came from. Anyhow. No worries, All right, so You're upper level. I want to we'll take us back. Yeah, I want to take us back, man. Uh, so as you said, man, we're just coming out. We're on the other side of Easter. This uh, this yeah. episode drops two days after Easter. And so we are coming through that season of... Hey, really quick, really quick. I know I'm disrupting you, but what great timing. We have the spiritual view of communion drop just before Passover, right? right. So you right. get to listen to the spiritual view on Passover. And then as we celebrate Easter... The following week, we get to reflect physically on what we just celebrated. I don't know. It just came to my mind. Wanted to share like that it. with you. Thanks. Yeah, I like that. And so that's that's exactly where I was going. Is I want oh, to talk sorry. about Passover a little bit, right? Uh, Exodus twelve says this: For I will pass through the land of Egypt. That's God speaking through Moses to the people. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So here's what God is saying, right? God has given them instruction. God has told Pharaoh, let the slaves go. Let the, the Hebrew slaves go. Uh, he has caused nine plagues and Pharaoh has, has not relented and given in. Uh, it says God has hardened Pharaoh's heart, all kinds of amazing things. In fact, uh, I just taught on this uh, probably a month ago. I think it was uh, late March. Uh, there's a message on Exodus 12. If you guys want to go look up Generations Church and the sermon videos on YouTube or Facebook, uh, I just walked through this whole passage. But God has just spoken and said, I'm going to cause a plague. Now God is telling Moses what to tell the people, and he's saying this. And then what's going to happen is Moses will tell the people, and then the people will do it. And so there's like this repeated language over and over in Exodus 12. And what happens is the, the people of Israel who are enslaved in Egypt, they take a lamb and they slaughter this lamb in their doorway. And then they take the blood with branches of hyssop and they paint their doorway. They paint some on the header right above their heads and some on the left and the right of the door, the, the, the sides of the door. And uh, for those of you that are familiar with this, what you can see is from top to bottom and from left to right, you see a cross, right? Yeah. You see these four points of blood. And so what's going to happen in the Passover is Hebrews, Israelites, slaves are going to actually slaughter a lamb. They're going to actually paint the doors. They're going to actually paint the header. They're going to actually really do this. But they're also going to have a meal. They're going to, after they do this, they're going to take that same lamb that they killed and they're going to eat that lamb and they're going to eat other things. Some uh, unleavened bread, which is like modern day crackers, right? Bread that doesn't rise. And they're going to drink an actual cup. And so they're going to have a, a, a meal that is going to reflect on what they did. Now, the following year, the year after they're out of Egypt, they're going to have that meal again. 
They're not going to slaughter another, well, they're going to kill the lamb to eat it, but they're not going to do the painting of the doors again. They're not going to have God come through and kill Egypt again. They're just going to celebrate or observe it, right? That's the same thing as communion, right? We are observing and celebrating something that has already happened, and we're having it in the context of a meal. Does that make any sense? Makes a ton of sense, man. And one thing... One thing that I like too, when you go and read the Passover, like and God will tell them, like he gives them like four days of prep. Like, hey, for the next four days, just prep. And I always read that and I think it's, it's kind of the intent of our heart needs preparation, you know? Yeah. And then when we, when, we, when we prep our hearts and we can look back, and I think that's one of the beautiful blessings we have with, with the uh, traditions given to us. And we can look back even on, at Passover uh, as Christians, we should look back on it, man, and we can be, thankful that's one of the things i've always got even even weekly when we do communion i can take that moment and just be extremely thankful and reflect you know as we talk great guilt grace and gratitude i know the next portion of the heidelberg catechism is we're going to get into gratitude but right. i've always always enjoyed looking back because it promotes thankfulness and whatever things are good and lovely you know we want to think on those things so yeah, yeah. it made a ton of sense man and i think you bring you put a lot of uh clarity kind of attach it people probably a lot of people probably disconnect it from passover communion so yeah. it's really cool we're able yeah. to bridge those two and apply it yeah i love it so if communion is the fulfillment of the passover meal then too we've got to understand that the crucifixion jesus death on the cross is the fulfillment of the passover lamb being painted on the doorposts Right. Absolutely. So Jesus fulfills the sacrifice of the lamb and the painting of the blood. But the meal that is done afterwards, communion is the meal that is done afterwards that observes it year after year after year. Or for in our case, we take communion weekly at church. Yeah. Every week we observe the death of Christ for our sins. Right. And so that's really important. So do does Jesus have to die again? And really, that's the question here. Do the bread and the wine become the real body and blood of Christ? Now, I will, you know, kind of put a parenthetical note if you're listening. Next week, we're going to talk about different Christian, uh, Catholic, other views of communion. And there's some implication in this. Other views, other, other streams of belief believe that the bread changes its substance. Some of them believe that there is something that changes in the bread, in the cup, right? And so that's part of this question. We'll get to that part next week. But what we're asking here is, does the broken bread need to actually re-break Jesus' body? Does the poured cup actually have to have more blood shed? And the answer is no. What we're doing yes, from last week, has spiritual implications. It has a real means of grace. It does strengthen us spiritually. But what we do physically is a a reminder of, a celebration of, an observance of. Yeah. Those things that Christ did, right? Yep. Yeah. And Hebrews Hebrews really touches on that, about how he can't be crucified over and over and over again. It was a once for all. Um, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. No, that's great, man. So if you don't, if this is, uh, once we get to Jesus on the cross, it becomes, um, I think many people make it harder to understand. But we've got to understand, when the Israel slaves, when they were in Egypt and they had their, their homes, 
the way that God passed over them was they painted the, do the blood on the doors. They only did that ever once. That only happened yeah. one time. And death passed over, and then they left Egypt. But every year after that, they were to celebrate this. Every year at this time of year, right, they were to celebrate Passover. They didn't have to paint their doors again. They had the meal, right? And so then that goes on for, what, 1,500 years, 2,000 years, whatever it is. And it goes on from the time of the Exodus to the time of Jesus. That's what I was trying to go for. And off the top of my head, for whatever reason, I can't think of how long that was. I think it was 2,000 years-ish. And so then Jesus comes. And Jesus gives his life. He does this right after the Passover meal. So he sits with his disciples. He has a meal with them. He takes the bread and he says, look, this is my body broken for you. And he breaks the bread and he hands it out. Look, this is a cup, a glass of wine is what he uses. And he says, this is my blood, a covenant, a promise in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And he passes the cup, right? And so then he goes to the cross and he actually has his body beaten up and, and scourged and, and beaten, brutalized. He is nailed to a cross. He actually sheds blood, right? And fulfills the Passover imagery, the signs and the shadows and the yeah. seals and the things that are to come. He fulfills them, right? And then he says, do this as Jesus is around the Passover meal. He says, do this in remembrance of me. So in other words, no longer do Passover, do communion. That, that's a modern day translation of that, right? No longer celebrate the Passover lamb. Instead, celebrate what I will do for you. And then he goes and does it. And now we are to celebrate that in honor of what Christ has done. And so we don't again paint our doors. We don't again break Christ's body. We don't again shed Christ's blood. We just celebrate that Jesus fulfilled it. Absolutely. And that's and that's something, too, for those of you who are listening, man, when you read the Old Testament, you see all these structures. They are what we call types and shadows. You know, they point mm. to Christ. The Hebrews would say that he is the substance, you know, meaning if I'm standing and you only see my shadow, that is, that is just my shadow, but I'm the substance. And it's the same with Christ. He is the actual substance that all these traditions that we find, you know, everything from even God building the temple, they were all shadows of pointing to Christ. And um, when, you, when you start to look at it from what Jesus was actually doing, fulfilling promises and extending the promise of Abraham to, you know, Gentiles, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's beautiful, man. It's something that honestly you can go back and continue to reread and, and, and thankfulness. You should never run out of. <laughs> right. Right. So what does this physical act do? And I would say this when, when Paul, and we read this passage in our episode last week, uh, Paul says, you know, I give to you what Jesus gave me, that on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you, take and eat, right? Yeah. Then he takes the cup, and he says, in the same way, he takes the cup, and he blesses it, and he says, this is my blood, or in another passage, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. He says, take and drink, and they all take and drink. Paul adds those words in 1 Corinthians. He adds to that. That's what Jesus gave us. And then he says, Paul gives a little description. He says, as often as you eat of the bread and you drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, mm. until he returns, right? So he says, here's what you're doing. When you take these physical elements, you're proclaiming Christ's death. You're not killing Christ again. You're not breaking his body again. You're not shedding his blood again. You're proclaiming that he did it for us right? Absolutely. You're proclaiming that he suffered, he died for us. 
you're proclaiming the gospel. And so I, I like to, and, and this is a, uh, an incomplete analogy for sure, uh, or an incomplete image. But sometimes we will go somewhere, and, and I, I know a lot of churches that are you know, involved in drama and things like that, and they will do artistic things in order to convey a biblical message, which is not unlike Jesus telling a parable. He's yeah. using something people understand physically to teach them something they don't understand yet spiritually, but he wants them to. Sometimes folks will do dramas to convey a message, right? Well, that's the, you know, part of the drama of communion, if you will, is the portrayal of Christ brokenness and Christ shed blood, right? And that, you know, like as uh, Isaiah says that his body is broken, right? For us, right? That he yeah, yeah. takes his, the penalty on him, right? Mm -hmm. That he, he heals us through his brokenness. So we're, we're taking that and we're physically showing ourselves what Christ has done for us. We're celebrating a covenant of the cup and we're celebrating what Christ has sacrificed for us. We're doing it on this uh, tangible, visible, uh, you know, physical just level of seeing broken bread, seeing a cup, a reminder. But the elements don't do it again. They just remind us. They just strengthen yeah. us. They nourish us spiritually. But physically, they're just bread and cup. The only thing that changes is when Jesus uses that to strengthen us. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. <clears throat> Good word. And I hope that uh, those of you who are listening just get, can gain a greater appreciation, maybe a, a deeper spiritual connection with communion and understanding Passover and how they all link together and that. Uh, Anyhow, thank you so much for listening. I hope and pray you were encouraged. This has been another edition of the Generations Church Podcast. We release a new episode of the Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude episode every Tuesday. So please tune in, subscribe, uh, write a review, and give us a like. All those things matter. All those things help us promote and get God's word out there. So again, thank you so much. If you've been blessed by this, please share it and let others be blessed as well. As well. Take care and God bless. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.